And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's part two of A Date with Judy, starring Louise Erickson, with special guest Charles Boyer from 1945. Then William Conrad stars as U.S. Marshal Matt Dillon on a gritty Western adventure of Gunsmoke from 1954. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What's up, Carl? Yeah, we have Mike Costello over here, too, Hello. our engineer and producer. Hi. Make sure we listen to Mike, because he can make us sound good or make us sound bad. Oh, well, we always listen to Mike. Yeah. Or no sound at all. Right. Which might be better. <laughs> well, last time, we began listening to a good comedy episode of A Date with Judy, starring Louise Erickson. The special guest is Charles Boyer. Let's go back to April 3rd, 1945. For the conclusion now to A Date with Judy. Oh, Randolph, we'll be there in a minute. Maybe you better not say you're my brother. He might think it's funny me having my brother with me. Yeah, I'll just say I'm your baggage man. <laughs> Randolph, aren't you excited? Aren't you palpitating? Nope. Charles Boyer doesn't do a thing to me. <laughs> He doesn't. I think he's divine. In the movie Gaslight, when he said to Ingrid Bergman, get me the little picture, I just quivered all over. That's funny. Not even my hands shook. <laughs> Doesn't any movie star make you palpitate, Randolph? Only Margaret O'Brien. <laughs> really? Yeah, she's my dream woman. I wonder how Charles Boyer will react to me. I wonder if you'll think I'm attractive. I wonder if I ought to flutter my eyelashes at him. I wonder if they'll fall off. <laughs> Maybe I ought to take him off. Maybe I ought to appear in front of him just as a simple, untarnished country girl. Perhaps he prefers the simple, unsophisticated type. He must get so tired of looking at beautiful, perfectly groomed women of the world like Hedy Lamar. Oh, I bet he's sick and tired of looking at Hedy Lamar. <laughs> I should have that pleasure. Oh, here we are, Randolph. This is the place. Ah, here we are to Casbah. It was so far to the Casbah. But we took a streetcar, and here we are. <laughs> I'm nervous enough as it is. Well, take off your eyelashes and let's go. Mr. Boyer, the young lady to see you. Oh, wonderful. Show it in. Uh, right in here, miss. Oh, thank you. Uh, you, Mr. Boyer. Yes, yes, it is I. I mean, uh, say vous, Monsieur Boyer. Oh, it's so good of you to come to see me, Mon Who, me? <laughs> I'm so happy you are here. 
Jeepers, you are. Come here. Come here when I can look at you more closely. It's a good thing you took those eyelashes off. <laughs> oh, uh, this is um, my friend, Randolph. Oh, how do you do? Uh, Garcon, you know. Oh, yes, I see. <laughs> Glad to meet you. Uh, won't you sit down, both of you? Oh, thank you. So the little baby. Are you speaking to me? You know you are prettier than ever, my dear. <laughs> I am? Still so graceful in every emotion, and still with the curly blonde hair. Oh, she touches it up a little. Right. <laughs> I do not. I merely put a little lemon juice in the water once in a while. I cannot tell you how happy it makes me to see you. Really? Oh, thanks. I mean, uh, merci. Uh, je suis charme de vous voir aussi. <laughs> merci. I uh, might even add that, uh, that you're even more handsome dans la flesh than you are... Uh, through the screen. <laughs> well, what do you know? I'm very impressed, you know. You are? Oh, yes. What wonderful English you speak. English? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, you are really an American now, my dear. Yes, I know. I guess I'll try Spanish next semester. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, indeed. To be a linguist is necessary in your career. Oh, you're absolutely right. Now, here I am talking to a Frenchman and... Sometime I may interview an Italian or a Latin or almost anybody. Well, language is so important if you hope for the Metropolitan. The Metropolitan? I heard you are a wonderful singer. You did? <laughs> With a voice from heaven. Oh, my goodness. When I sang at the sorority's Jitterbug Jamboree, everybody said I sang beautifully, but I had no idea that people would go around talking about it. <laughs> you see, your reputation has preceded you. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, I've been thinking, uh, tonight at the auditorium, I will speak for the Red Cross, as you may know. Yes, I do. I think it's marvelous all you've done for the cause, all the money you raised and everything. Oh, well, it's a smart thing to do for such an important cause. But I, I was about to say, uh, there will be entertainment tonight. Music, little acts performed. And what I've been thinking is that I will speak to the men in charge and perhaps you may find a little place for you on the program. You mean, you want me to sing? Why not? Well, personally, I could think of a few good reasons. <laughs> Quiet, Randolph. Oh, Mr. Boyer, I, I just love to sing tonight. I'd be just... Oh, I think it's just simply ecstatic. <laughs> so American. It's remarkable. What would you like me to sing, Mr. Boyer? Oh, you shall choose yourself. Uh, a bit of uh, Lucia de la Mermeur, perhaps? Uh, perhaps, but probably no. <laughs> Lucia de... Well, I don't know... Mignon, perhaps, or la vie de bohème. How about accentuate the positive? <laughs> well, I leave the selection to you. Yes, I, I think that would be the best idea. Oh, uh, uh, by the way, you, you have an arrangement, of course. An arrangement? Well, uh, that I may give the orchestra. Oh, yes, I'm sure I could bring an arrangement. Good. In fact, you could bring the orchestra. <laughs> yes, would you like me to do that? I'm sure Oogie Pringle and his high school hot licks would be glad to come. Oogie Pringle. <laughs> Oogie? Yes. He's a terribly bon ami of mine. Oh, I, I see. Well, uh, suppose we trust the orchestra we have. All right. If it can trust Judy, we can trust it. <laughs> oh, uh, how shall I introduce you? Introduce me? Why, as Miss Judy Foster. Judy? Oh, you use that as your professional name. Why, yes, I do. She uses it for a lot of things. <laughs> Good. Well, now everything's settled? Oh, yes. You're happy? <laughs> Delirious. You know, well, this is just about, well, the last thing I expected. What is? You asking me all these questions. I came here to interview you, and now here you are practically interviewing me. 
like to see Mr. Boyer, please. Uh, did you have an appointment? Not exactly an appointment, but I was told I could see him this afternoon. Oh, I'm sorry. He has a very strenuous schedule. He's uh, made two speeches already today. Got four more to go. Oh, I quite understand. You see, so many girls want to see him, and he's so obliging. Well, he just tries to see everyone. And he would, if I didn't try and protect him from his admirers. Naturally. He'd be, well, he'd be sore if he knew I was protecting him, but, well, what he doesn't know won't hurt him. <laughs> right? Yes. He spent half an hour with one young lady this morning. She was someone he knew from France. He'd never get a moment to himself if I didn't turn some people away. I understand perfectly. Tell you what, you come back tomorrow, maybe. Uh, he'll still be in town until noon. I'll do that. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Girls, girls, girls. <laughs> Wish I was a movie star. Mother, father. Yes, dear. What? Where's Randolph? Trailing her all the way home, 50 yards behind. Boy, has that girl got speed. Oh, it was so wonderful. He called me his petite shoe. Petite shoe? <laughs> What's that? Cabbage. Oh, for Pete's sake. He said the nicest things. Nobody was ever so sweet to me as long as I've lived. Oh, he was just scintillating. Are you by any strange chance referring to a certain Charles Boyer? Naturally. He asked me to sing tonight. Now, wait just a minute, Judy. He asked you to sing? Yes, Mother. At the Red Cross rally in the uh, auditorium. He asked you to sing at the auditorium? Randolph, is there any truth in that statement? Yeah, that's what he said. That's what the man said. <laughs> Well, I'll be done. Yeah, looks like she's going to be his guest star. I, I, I don't get it. Neither do I, but that's what I think occurred. Suffice it to say, Charles Boyer thinks I'm very charming. Suffice it to say. Father, I'm serious. Mr. Boyer really asked me to sing at the Red Cross rally tonight. Now, I want your honest opinion. What do you think I sing best? How about uh, Northeast High School, I Love You? No. <laughs> no, Randolph. Somehow I don't think that would be appropriate for the occasion. You see, Father, Mr. Boyer wanted her to sing opera. Opera? Now I've heard everything. I know. I'll sing Bobby Sox Blues. Well, that'll be a nice change from La Vida Bohème. Excuse me, everybody. I've got a million things to do. Uh, Dora, do you think Judy is more attractive than we may have noticed? Well, he must have seen something in her. Frankly, all I can see is her Bobby Sox drooling. Melvin, we've, we've just got to go to that Red Cross rally tonight. Why, Dora, I wouldn't miss it for all the tea in China. <laughs> So give as much as you can, every dollar and every penny you can. The Red Cross depends on you. Millions of hungry, wounded, homeless, sick, and weary men, women, and children depend on you. Now, now I am very happy to introduce to you a little French girl I knew. She is neither old nor a veteran of the Metropolitan, but she has a magnificent operatic voice, and she is Parisian. Here she is, Miss Judy Foster. Merci beaucoup and everything, Monsieur Boyer. I've got the Bobby Sox blues. I'm just a girl who's got the Bobby Sox blues. Bobby Sucks Blues. Hey, Mr. Boyer, what's the matter? Bobby Sucks Blues? Yeah. What opera is that from? I don't know what I've done, but I know I shouldn't have done it. 
Uh, she's Parisian. I'm a Fiji Islander. I don't understand it. Uh, now take it easy, Mr. Boyer, and I'll get you a chair. They say. Oh, oh, it was a fine program, Charles. Oh, Jacques. I have been watching it from the other side of the stage. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, we'll get away and have a bite to eat together. Hmm? Oh, yes, and we will talk, huh? Yes, yes, we will talk. Your daughter sang very well tonight, I thought, Jack. My daughter? She's a very pretty girl. My daughter did not sing tonight. She... Your daughter did not sing? No, she has been here with me. Nanette, uh, come here. This is my daughter. Oh, Jacques, what have I done? I'm very happy to see you again, Uncle Charles, after so many years. Oh, Nanette, my dear. Oh, Jacques, I've made the most unforgivable mistake. Oh, I Mr. thought... Boyer, did I sing all right? Was it all right? Yes, oh, it was lovely, Judy. Uh, a little on the unexpected side, but uh, very nice. <laughs> oh, hello, Nanette. How are you? Hello, Judy. You two know each other? Oh, yes. We're in the same class in high school. I think Nanette's wonderful. Oh, Judy. Well, you are. She's at the top of the class in studies, Mr. Boyer, and she works afternoons in a bookshop, and at night she studies music. I don't know how she does it all. Oh, Judy, you make it sound so difficult. And it isn't. Jacques, uh, to tell you the truth, I thought Judy was your daughter. You, you thought she was Nanette? Uh, yes, she came to see me this morning, and, well, you know, you, you said you were sending Nanette to me, and, and... I did come this afternoon, but you were resting. And they did not admit you? Oh, Jacques, what must you think of oh, me? Oh, no, no, a very natural mistake. It is of no consequence. We enjoyed the program from beginning to end, did we not, Nanette? We loved it. And Bobby Sox Blues, Judy, it was charming. Jeepers. Oh, Mr. Boyer, did you mean to give Nanette the chance to sing tonight and by mistake give it to me? It's all right, Judy. <laughs> you mustn't worry. It's not your fault. Oh, but it is. I, I just feel terrible. No, no, you mustn't. Your sweet little song made us all very happy. Oh, but that was just blues singing. And Nanette has studied so hard. She knows all the opera. She deserved the chance, and I didn't. And I took it away from her. Oh, I just feel awful. Now, Judy... Oh, Mr. Boyer, I'll do anything to make it up to her. Anything. I never felt so terrible about Judy, anything. Judy, Judy, I have a good idea. Come to see me tomorrow morning. Uh, we'll think of ways and means. We'll put our heads together. Hmm? Oh, Mr. Boyer, that'll be wonderful. Judy, it's getting awfully late. You better go to bed now, No, dear. no, no, wait a minute. Let her stay and study a little longer, Dora. I wanted to keep at that French. Any girl who with two semesters of high school French can make a Frenchman think she's a Parisian, well... That girl ought to keep right on studying. Well, Father, I'm not studying. You aren't? No. I'm writing an editorial for the high school paper. You go to bed right away, Judy Foster. It's a quarter to twelve. Well, I want to know how this sounds. I'm going to show it to Mr. Boyer in the morning. Listen to it and let me know. All right, dear. Last night at the Red Cross rally at the Civic Auditorium, Judy Foster sang Bobby Sox Blues. But she wasn't the one who should have sung there. The girl whose place she took deserved that honor far more than she. The girl who was meant to be and who should have been in the spotlight last night has worked very hard under great adversity. She has paid her music teachers with the money she earned herself and bought her scores, and her voice is of such beauty that it should be heard throughout the land. The girl who sang Bobby Sugg's blues thought she was singing a lament from the bottom of her heart, but she does not really have any troubles. She doesn't know what trouble and courage mean. Nanette Dubois had trouble, and she has courage. 
and the Northeast High School, Diddy Blue and Gold, wishes to go on record as asking Woogie Pringle and his high school hotlicks to give up some of its swing music and get some opera into its repertoire so that at the spring dance next week, Nanette Dubois can be the girl chanteuse instead of Judy Foster. Do you think it's all right, Mr. Boyer? Judy, it's one of the most beautiful and touching things I've ever read. Of course, the audience at the spring dance won't be anything like the illustriousness of the audience that was at the auditorium last night. Judy, I'd like you to do something for me. You would, Mr. Boyer? Yes. I have here a scholarship to a very good school of music. A scholarship for a certain young lady we know. For Nanette? How did you get it? Oh, it was none of my doing. The head of the school had already heard Nanette sing, and it took very little persuasion on my part. Oh, Mr. Boyer, that's wonderful. Nanette will be thrilled to pieces. I can't wait until you tell her. Oh, I want you to be the one to tell her. Me? Yes. You are such a very nice little girl, Judy. You certainly deserve the pleasure. Oh, thank you, Mr. Boyer. I'll do it charmingly. <laughs> I'm sure you will. Uh, oh, Judy, will you do me a favor, please? Oh, anything, Mr. Boyer. Well, would you, uh, would you teach me the words of the, um, the Bobby Sox blues? <laughs> We are very grateful to Charles Boyer for being with us this evening. A Date with Judy is written by Aline Leslie and stars Louise Erickson and Dix Davis. Mr. and Mrs. Foster were played by John Brown and Myra Marsh. Music was composed by Paul Sautel and conducted by Konstantin Bakalinikov. The program was produced and directed by Helen Mack. This is the Armed Forces Radio Service. And that's a date with Judy from April 3rd, 1945, special guest Charles Boyer, starring Luis Erickson. Also in the cast, John Brown, Dix Davis, and Myra Marsh. That's sustained over NBC. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's a great Western adventure of Gunsmoke after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360, and it's time now for Gunsmoke. This stars William Conrad as U.S. Marshal Matt Dillon. It's called The Jokes on Us. It's from January 9th, 1954, part one now of Gunsmoke. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun Smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved West with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Go bring his horse over here, Benson. Sure, Jake. Wait till we get him up on his horse before you tie that rope to wall. There'd be too much slack otherwise. Yeah. It couldn't hang you very good with your feet touching the ground, could we, Tillman? No, Jake, you couldn't. We've been neighbors a long time, Tillman. I could figure some way to make the noose bust your neck. I'd do it for you. It's all right. But you get to hanging, I could put a bullet in you. I'd be beholden to you. 
Okay, I'll do it then. Would you drop by and tell my wife on your way home, Jake? Sure. I figured on doing that anyway. Thanks. I always liked you, Tillman. Kind too bad about this. Sure. You're mighty calm for a man with a noose around his neck. You men got your minds made up. Well, we can't have no man stealing horses around here. Would none of us feel safe less than we caught and hung them? I reckon I'd feel the same way, Jake. Of course you would. You'd hang me just as fast if I'd done it. I would. Only difference is I'd want to be awful sure it was you that done it. Oh, I'm sure. Heck, we caught you red-handed, didn't we? Told you a hundred times I found them horses running wild. I was driving them back to you. Now, Tillman, you was headed in the other direction. He got away from me. I was trying to turn him back. Except we don't believe you. None of us do. Well, that's Jennings. He saw me rounding him up for you. Jennings ain't here. But why don't you find him? Can't take the time. You delay a hanging, the first thing you know, the man's got loose. It just encouraged horse thieving. Like I said, you got your minds made up. We gotta protect ourselves, Tillman. Here's his horse, Jake. Get him out of Tillman. Sure. Okay, Duval. Take up the slack and tie it. Hey, hey, look out there, Jake. Someone's coming. So they are. Let's get this done. We might have trouble. He's a long way off yet. We got time. You want to slap his horse, Benson? No. You do it, Jake. Okay. So long, Tillman. So long. Let's break from Gunsmoke more after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now back to Gunsmoke. Hello, Miss Tillman. Come on inside. Oh, thanks, ma'am. I'll stay out here. Suit yourself. My husband ain't here, Jake. He's out in the prairie someplace. I know. Clave's around, though. Want to see him? No. I wanted to see you. Me? What about? About your husband, Miss Tillman. Something's happened to him. Well... It was like this, ma'am. You know, me and Duval and Benson's been losing some horses lately. I heard. But Tillman ain't, somehow. And when we caught him driving a bunch of mine this afternoon, we figured it was him who's been stealing them. I don't believe it. My husband's an honest man. I know that. Now, 
Jennings saw him rounding them up where he found them running wild on the prairie. I guess whoever had stole them got scared and left them there. Where's my husband, Jake? That's what I want to explain to you, ma'am. Jennings come and told us about it, but he got there too late. Too... too late? We'd already hung him. Hung him? Yes, ma'am. Clabe! Clabe, come out here! What is it, Ma? Well, hello there, Jake. Hello, Clabe. Tell him what you done, Jake. Done? Clabe, we hung your old man this afternoon. You what? We hung him for stealing horses. Pa? They found out he didn't do it. After. Yeah. I guess the joke's on us, all right. Wait, Ma. He's kind of upset, Clabe. You better go with her. Somebody ought to kill you, Jake. Now, don't talk like that. I said we were sorry. I got to get home. It's kind of late. So long. Cheer up, Matt. Spring will be here in a few months. Yeah, sure. You're still bothered by the Tillman hanging, aren't you? He was lynched, Kitty. All right, lynched. You'll never find out who did it now. That was nearly three weeks ago. I got a pretty good idea who did it. Then I can't be sure. No? Who? Probably some of the ranchers out there who've been losing horses. Benson and Duval and Jake Kaiser in particular. Benson? I heard he got shot the other night, right in his own house. Yeah, I did. Just a week ago. Maybe his conscience was bothering him, Matt. No? What do you mean? Well, maybe the other two killed him to keep him from talking. Uh, maybe. Well, anyway, he had it coming to him. It's still murder, Kitty. You feel worse about Tillman, don't you? There's nothing I hate more than a lynching. And knowing Tillman, my guess is he was completely innocent. What about Mrs. Tillman and the boy? Do they have any ideas? Well, if they have, they didn't tell me. Well, you've done all you can, Matt. Yeah, yeah, sure. I might as well be in St. Louis. Huh? I like St. Louis, Matt. Well, why don't you go, then? I don't know. I guess I'm afraid of the dark. What? What are you talking about? Never mind, Matt. Oh, Matt. Oh, hello, Doc. Oh, hello, Kitty. Sit down, Doc. Oh, thank you. Yeah, don't mind if I do it. See that fella Duval, Matt? Yeah, what about him? He's over in my office. What? Well, what for? He's been shot, Matt. Shot. Dead. What? His hired hand brought him in. What did this happen? Well, early tonight he said, you know, it's a funny thing, Matt. Duval was shot through the window of his house with a 50 caliber rifle. I dug the bullet out. Just like Benson. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting myself. That makes Jake Kaiser the only one left, Matt. Why, you think Jake did it? I don't know. 
Well, he's been sitting right over there in a card game since noon. Uh, are you sure of that, Kitty? Well, I was gone for an hour, but he was there when I left, and he was there when I got back. Well, he couldn't have done it in an hour, Matt. No. Look, Matt, he's leaving. Yeah, uh, excuse me. I'll be right back. Oh, uh, Jake. Hello, Marshal. Uh, Jake, uh, let's sit down a minute, huh? I, I want to talk to you. Sure, Marshal. What's it about? Ah, uh, here's the table. I'm kind of late getting out home. Uh, Jake, Duval was shot tonight. He was? Yeah. Killed the same way Benson was. Same way, huh? Uh-huh. You, uh, know anything about it? Well, I'm beginning to, Marshal. Is that Tillman boy, Clabe? I know it is. Why would he do it, Jack? Oh, he's crazy, that's why. Marshal, I'll tell you. Clabe's took it into his head that we hung this old man. Oh? How do you know he has? I saw him. Right here in town this morning. And he was here last Saturday, too, come to think of it. You talk to him? Sure. And he keeps saying that we done it. Why? Don't you believe anything he says, nor Miss Tillman either. They're both liars, Marshal. I've known them a long time to be liars. Jake, did uh, Clabe threaten you? Sure he did. You go arrest him, Marshal. There's not much evidence. I just told you. Yeah, I know. You mean you ain't going to arrest him? No, not yet. Well, he ain't going to shoot me. I'm going to go kill him on the way home, right tonight. You're talking to a U.S. Marshal, Jake. Oh, yeah. Well, all right, then you do something about it. I will. But you got any ideas of shooting him out of your head? If you'll arrest him, I will. And don't you forget what liars they are out there. You leave it to me, Jake. You hear? Sure. Not for long, Marshal. Not for very long. Jake Kaiser was a senseless kind of man. And I knew he'd probably go kill young Clabe Tillman the first time it happened to occur to him again. Still, I couldn't arrest Clabe for two murders just on Jake's word that he'd threatened him. I needed a lot more evidence than that. And the only way of getting it I could think of was from Clabe himself. So the next morning, Chester and I rode out to the Tillman place. It was only about 15 miles from town, and we got there early. I just don't understand these people, Mr. Dillon. Oh, what do you mean, Chester? Well, sir, if young Clabe was sure enough about Duval and Benson to kill him, why didn't he come to you and have him arrested? He's taking an awful chance this way. Well, nobody came to the law when they hanged Tillman. But maybe someday they'll learn to. Well, they won't if they can go on murdering each other and get by with it. Now, let's tie up here, Chester. Hold on. Oh. Nice place Tillman made here, ain't it? Well, he worked hard on it, Chester. Now, come on, let's see if Clabe's around. All right,
My, I'd like to have me a place like this. Well, he didn't build it on gambling money, Chester. No, sir. Hello, Marshal. Chester. Morning, Miss Oh, Tillman. hello, ma'am. Come on inside. Uh, thank you. Sit down. Thank you. Well, uh, I, I don't want to bother you, ma'am. Uh, no bother. Well, I was looking for Clay, but I, I'd like to talk to him. He's out back. He'll be here in a minute. Oh, good. Good. Um, Miss Tillman, have you heard about uh, Duvall? He was killed last night. All right. Uh, well, don't you care? Several people have been murdered around here lately, Marshal, including my husband. Oh. Well, uh, you, you think Benson and Duvall were in on that? I didn't say they were. What about uh, Jake Kaiser? You're prying, Marshal. That's the trouble with the law. It's always prying. What do you want Clay for? Well, I thought he might tell me what he knows. You won't. We don't know nothing. And Clay ain't shot nobody. He was in Dodge yesterday. Yeah, I know he was. I wouldn't put it past Jake to have shot Duvall himself. Well, I've thought of that, too. Do you have any idea why he might have? No. Here's Clabe now. We got visitors. Hello, Clabe. Marshal? Chester? All right, Clabe. You, uh, been hunting this morning? No. Put that rifle back where it belongs, son. Okay, Ma. I was shooting hawks with it yesterday. Left it in the barn. You should have brought it in last night, son. Sure. But, well, it was dark when I got back, Ma. I didn't see it out there. Yeah. I should have brought it in myself. What are you doing here, Marshal? Duval was murdered last night, Clay. He was? Yeah. Shot, same as Benson. Well, what do you know? Uh, Jake Kaiser thinks that uh, you did it. He does, huh? Uh Uh-huh. He also said that you threatened to kill him next. Maybe I ought to. Clay, don't talk like that. Okay, Ma. How are you going to prove I killed anybody, Marshal? Well, if you have, I'll find out somehow. Go ahead. There's a law against murder, Clay. They murdered my pa. Where was the law then? I'd have had him in jail right now if I knew who they were. Too bad you weren't there, Marshal. Well, I could still arrest Jake. We don't know nothing about Jake. Do we, son? No. No, we don't know nothing. Leave us alone, Marshal. We got trouble enough. Okay, okay, Clay. But you'll hang for murder if you kill Jake. Come along, Chester. I just saw him, Mr. Dillon, walking right up Front Street. Oh, Clay? Yes, sir. It's Saturday, and he's back in town, just like you said he'd be. Well, I wasn't too sure, Chester. Jake might have killed him during the week. It must have slipped his mind somehow. I know what you're thinking, Mr. Dillon. Clay's gonna ride past Jake's place on his way home, ain't he? Well, a man's been killed each Saturday the last two weeks. Could happen again. 
You going to stop him? Get our horses, Chester. We'll ride out to Jake's. Now? Hadn't we ought to follow Clabe when he leaves? No, it's Jake I want to keep an eye on. I don't understand. Just get the horses, Chester. Yes, sir. And uh, be sure there's a rope on my saddle, huh? We going to hang somebody? No. Now get going. Yes, sir. Jake's just sitting in the house there. Plum unconcerned, Mr. Dillon. Somebody just got off a horse out there by the corral. I thought I heard a horse. Gosh, I wish there was a moon tonight. It's better dark. Stay out of the way of my rope, Chester. You gonna rope it? Quiet now. Right now, Chester. All right, grab the rifle, Chester. Yes, sir, I, I got it. No! Don't let me go! Why, is a woman, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, that's why I used the rope. All right, stand up now, Miss Tillman. Come on. You shouldn't have stopped me, Marshal. Won't do any good. Two murders are enough, aren't they? I was saving Jake for the last. I wanted him to sweat. And I'll kill him yet. Who's out there? It's Marshal Dillon, Jake. And put the gun down. What's going on here? Why, it's Ms. Tillman. Yeah. She wants to kill you, Jake. A woman? That's a 50 caliber sharps. I think that'd do it. You sure would. You killed Benson and Duval with it, didn't you? I'll kill you if I have to use a knife, Jake Kaiser. A woman? Going around killing people. That's terrible. You hung my husband. One of the best men that ever lived. I told you it was a mistake. I said we were sorry. That's what I've been waiting to hear, Jake. No! All right, get his gun, Chester. Here it is, Mr. Dillon. All right, throw it away. With pleasure. Now, you're both under arrest, Miss Tillman. Well, as long as Jake hangs, too. He'll hang. What will Clegg think? He knew about this when he found your rifle in the barn last week. But I guess he figured there was no way to stop you. You found the only way, Marshal. I guess maybe I should have told you everything from the first. Yeah. Yeah, but it's too late now. I'm sorry. Don't you feel bad about it, Marshal? I don't mind. I don't really mind at all. I know you don't, Miss Tillman. And that's the worst part of it. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were John Daner, Helen Klebe, Sam Edwards, Ted Bliss, and Herb Ellis. Parley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Gunsmoke has been selected by the Armed Forces Radio Service to be heard by our troops overseas.
Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. A transatlantic telephone call with Ingrid Bergman about her plans to tour as Joan of Arc. A preview of the London Company of Kismet. And an introduction to Renee Jean Mayer, star of the forthcoming Broadway production, The Girl in the Pink Tights. All this and more takes place on Mike Wallace's Stage Struck. Now heard Sundays on most of these same CBS radio stations. Tomorrow at its new Sunday afternoon time, go Stage Struck at the star's address. George Walsh speaking. Lionel Barrymore's Radio Hall of Fame is great Sunday night drama on the CBS Radio Network. And that's Gunsmoke with Jokes on Us from January 9th, 1954, starring William Conrad, also in the cast, Howard McNear, and also Parley Bear and Georgia Ellis, as heard on CBS. And speaking of westerns, look what I have right here, folks. The brand new May edition, the May edition of Remind Magazine, and look who is on the cover of Remind Magazine. A very young and handsome Clint Eastwood, because this issue is all about the wild, wild west of classic TV and movies. You have uh, Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, John Ford, Roy Rogers. You have Hopalong Cassidy. You have Gene Autry, uh, Bonanza. You name it. It's all uh, it's all throughout the pages of the May issue of Remind Magazine. This is a terrific publication, folks. It's our main sponsor here on Hollywood 360. And I write an article every month uh, for this magazine. It's called Radio 360. And my article in the May issue is all about Fred Foy, because I was very good friends with Fred Foy, who is the announcer on The Lone Ranger. And he was my announcer on my radio show for many, many years before he passed away. Years ago, I sat down with Fred Foy and interviewed him, and I took that interview and transcribed it for my article in the May issue of Remind Magazine. But do check it out. There's all kinds of great things in this magazine. To learn more about it, just go to the website, remindmagazine.com. That's remindmagazine.com. Or you can pick up an issue at any Barnes & Noble store across the country or any Walmart store. But really, the best way is to subscribe off the website because you save about 60% off the newsstand price. I promise you'll love Remind Magazine, so do check it out. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. These classic radio shows are direct from master recordings and digitally remastered. We license these classic radio shows from the owners and estates for the privilege of using their master recordings as our source material so that we can pass that great sound quality on to you. Oh, you can find classic radio shows sold on the Internet from companies that are not authorized to sell them, but you'll often be disappointed by the inferior sound quality. If you enjoy listening to and collecting great sound quality classic radio shows, we've set up a website just for you at ClassicRadioStore.com so you can enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com to download your favorites to your smartphone, computer, or any listening device. We offer thousands of digitally remastered classic radio shows, uncut and unedited, including the original commercials, delivered to you instantly via digital download. Log on to ClassicRadioStore.com. That's ClassicRadioStore.com. 
And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's Dangerous Assignment starring Brian Donlevy. Then Marie Wilson stars as Irma Peterson on My Friend Irma. That's next time right here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.